Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Tuesday, the 29th of August, 2023. Uh, we'll have a, a guest, Tim Bezbachenko, the president and GM of the Columbus Crew, joining us after Kyle and I prattle for a little bit about the state of black and gold affairs. You know, speakeasy Tom Reed, who was a progenitor of this show, the show, the, the other day sent me the... Did he send you the, a photo from his garage? The, the pro, <laughs> no, the promo photos. Which, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Which we shot uh, that was, outside uh, yeah. of the ringside, which was a speakeasy. Yeah. And that was Courtney Hergesheim. Yeah. Took those pictures. A true professional photographer. Um, I guess photographer, I, too. I guess, <laughs> I guess much like the striker, yeah. Kyle Robertson's here with us this week as is Patrick, the podfather, Flaherty. Thanks for joining us. I just want to go over the standings real quick because uh, Kyle and I are going to set up the stretch run here. FC Cincinnati, SC United, Inter, no, just Cincinnati, we'll call them. They're 16-3-6, came roaring back after getting punked in Columbus and then beaten by uh, by Miami in a U.S. Open Cup semifinal. They came back, roaring back with a lopsided victory and. Kyle, they may have, they're 16-3-6 with 54 points. They're 11 points clear of, of Philadelphia in the East and uh, 10 points clear of uh, first place uh, uh, St. Louis in the West. Uh, um, they, with nine games to play for them, they're at Atlanta tomorrow. Um, and, you know, that, that could wrap up the shield yeah. right there. Um, well, especially since they haven't lost at home yet, too. Yeah, you know, I, I made a thing about how uh, their schedule is pretty wicked through the end of this weekend, but uh, that W uh, the other night uh, um, was was a big one for them. Um, and and uh, that, so, I mean, you, you kind of have to give them the supporter shield, but we'll see how it goes down the stretch. Uh, Philly's been up and down there. Philly in second place with 43 points. Uh, New England Revolution, they're, uh, they're now, uh, they sold another goalie. Um, Ooh, yeah, Chelsea. they they saw another goalie, and they're very goalie reliant. Um, That's two in a row. Yeah, um, Orlando forty three points, and just mere percentage points behind Orlando. Well, the crew has forty two, so the crew's yeah. in fifth place. The goal is to get into the top four. Um, they're pointing back Orlando, and they'll play at Orlando uh, coming up next month. Um, um, and we'll talk about the the schedule. Um, you know, then so there's, basically you're saying they're sitting pretty well. The crew, yeah, yeah. The the crew is sitting pretty well, with the caveat. Um, we'll get to them in a second. I wanted to mention Inter Messi at the top of the oh, show boy. here. Um, I mean, they're undefeated with Messi. What is it, nine and zero or ten and zero now <laughs> or something like that? And and they they finally played an MLS game with them um, uh, after winning the. League's Cup and then um, eleven points and back, then mm-hmm. beating Cincinnati in a U.S. Open Cup game. Um, they've moved out of last place yeah. in the East up to fourteenth over Toronto. Uh, Michael Bradleys over the Bradleys. Uh, 
and they Miami won two nothing in Harrison, New Jersey against the Red Bulls. Uh, did Messi score? Messi did score in the 89th minute. Yeah, um, scores all the time. He does score. I, what does he have? Eleven goals. Ten? <laughs> it's something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Ten and six yeah. assists or something like that. Um, but it's interesting. Um, you know, after that game in, in Harrison, New Jersey, uh, the Miami coach Tata Martino came out and said that uh, Messi's going to miss three games down the stretch to international duty. And I don't know about like Busquets and Alba yeah. and some of the other young DPs that are um, and, and some of their young Central and South American players, uh, what their call up situation is. So, uh, they, so, so, so death's going to be in. Uh... <laughs> so that's the question. I mean, it's it's kind of I, you know, if, if, if I were a betting man, I put a bet on him not to make the playoffs. As as great as they've been over the last you know fifty days, uh, I would I would. Do you think Don Garber is going to get involved and kind of tweak the schedule a little bit? Or? Well, they tried to. Yeah. I don't think he can anymore. I, know, I mean, I, I think I, I think he's played every card yeah. he can, including. So, do you think they play him too much for that for the League's Cup? Kind of, you know, you know? what Martino said was, Messi tells him when, yeah. and he came off the bench uh, yeah. on the weekend, um, but he plays as many minutes as he wants. And it's usually all of them. Uh, so, obviously, they're going to have to rotate. Uh, we're going to talk about the cruise rotation coming up. Would you bet Miami's going to get in? Uh, they got to go from uh, 14th to 9th. So, uh, five teams to jump. Possibly. Again, I think it it's what they do in those three games that Messi misses. I mean, that's nine points there. They can kind of rally. I don't know who they're playing during those three games. They have played the fewest games in, in the right. East, 23. I think that's the fewest games in the league. Um, the the uh, crew, for instance, are are, are like most teams. They've right. played uh, twenty five twenty five to yeah. this point, yeah. And there's you know a couple twenty fours in there and a twenty six Atlanta. Um, so yeah, things get compressed here uh, because of League's Cup uh, that month they took for that. And Do you think that was an overall success year one for sure? Yeah, well, primarily because of of Messi. Um, and we're going to ask Bezvichenko about. Messi's impact uh, on many things, including is he soaking up too much sun in the yeah. league? You know, um, the rest of the league exists in a vacuum. If you look at MLS.com, you know, it's right. It's painted pink, you know. Um, but yeah. stay tuned for that. Uh, uh, Tim, Tim Bezbachenko was very good on, on myriad subjects. Uh, that was a fun conversation. Uh, what, what, what's your bet on, on, uh, on Miami? I think they're going to fall short. I think they're. But it's going to get. I think it's going to get very close, though. The East is it, vicious. Yeah. You got to keep that in mind. It's it's vicious. But again, it's messy, and I'm sure ABC and, and ESPN will have a movie of his. You know, coming to coming to America. <laughs> Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. But yeah, I think, it, again, I think, it's, I think it's great for the MLS, and I think he's been absolutely everything that they wanted and probably more. Oh, but more. I, but again, I think it's, it's been unbelievable. With him missing the three reported three games and then being That's, 11 points back, you know. But again, crazier things have happened. Um, you know, we'll see who, you know, MLS gives their res- the referees. I, I think it comes down to the, the East is just too tough, you know. Yeah. I think even with Messi uh, making up that kind of ground, I mean, 
they've already they've already managed in one game to get out of last place. But uh, I don't know. Um, I, mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, they're they're still. I I said no. I don't think no. I don't think they I don't think they get into ninth I mean, place. They do have. I mean, they have three games on, or DC has three games on them. You know, so if in theory, if they if they play their three games, that can get them right up to thirtieth. Theoretics, you know. Yeah, but but you're also talking about now they they have they have those three games in hand. But um, you're also going to stack games. You're playing those midweek games, and, right? You right, know, that kind of stuff. So you're going to. Well, we'll take the crew yeah. for instance, and and most teams in the league are facing this kind of crunch um, because of of there's there's an international break next month, and there's another one in October, and leagues cup uh, compressed. You know, uh, both both sides of the league cup schedule. The the crew has. The crew tomorrow night play in, in Houston. Um, the uh, forecast is uh, high of 99 degrees and humid. Um, you know, the, the fields will be way harder than that. <laughs> it's true. Um, and, and, you know, Houston is 8-2-2 uh, two and two at home. They've also made it to the final of the U.S. Open Cup. They'll play Miami on September 27th. That's another game Miami has to play. Um, that, that game, by the way, the U.S. Open Cup final is in Fort Lauderdale. Um, Anyway, Houston Houston's in a good run of form right now. They're in they're in fifth place in the West. Uh, as I said, they've won eight eight of their uh, twelve games at home, two draws, two losses, um, and and that is the second game of a three game and eight day set for the crew. The third game is Saturday at Montreal. Right, and after that, the crew has two more sets of three games in eight days. And so they have nine games remaining, and three, uh, three on the road right away. Yep, yep, three on the road, and they have they have a total of six on the road out of their last nine. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's uh, and they've been great at home. Yep. I mean, they're playing about as well as anybody right now. The last two games, Kyle. Let's talk about two weeks ago or the, the weekend before last. Um, three nothing against Cincinnati, which was a drubbing. It was. <laughs> I mean, they disemboweled that team. It was a, it was evisceration. Um, that's about as good, I think, as 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 that team can play. It, it could have been much worse, too. Yeah, no, they missed a couple, uh, you know, um, expected goals there that they should have had. But yeah, no, I thought I was really surprised on how they kind of came out, and you know, I think a little bit the comments that people were, you know, that. They weren't really taking it as serious. What was the what was it we talked they're about? The website, ahead, the looking days until Messi shows yeah. up, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so you know, it's, it's it's good for them to 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 give it to them, and um, you know, and I and I and I guess if you're since I was probably looking towards the Messi the midday week match, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, um, you know. But you know, again, it's always good to beat. Again, your rival and the team that's sitting on top of the whole MLS, yeah. you know. So um, I think it's great. Um, could it, you know, things change if if Messi wasn't there? I think I think so a little bit. But again, well, well he, he happens to be there. Right, and the crew come back a, a week later. No, I'm just saying if they didn't have to play them in the semifinal, yeah. like, like three days. Yeah, later. no, I got you. Well, it, it was a yeah. cl- it was a clock cleaning. Yep. And the the crew come back uh, this past weekend. They beat Toronto on Saturday night, two to nothing. Uh, at home, um, down at the end of Nationwide Boulevard there. Um, Rossi got his first one. Diego Rossi scores his first goal as, as a member of the crew. Um, Kyle, give me the, your striker's view of that game. You know, I mean, I think the, the 
his first goal, you know, wasn't wonderful by any means, but I mean, he t- basically got the rebound from Nagby's right. rocket of a, of a shot from outside good, the box, but it was a good follow-up. No, he found, um, he found yeah. the space in the right. box. Yeah. And, and, the and I think that's where you're going to see the difference. I mean, the, I think both Zellerion and Brossi can find space and know how, you know, how to bend their runs and kind of get in there. Um, what I thought was, you know, th- again, another game where it could have been for nothing, you know, they had a whole bunch of shots. I think Cucho had over 10 shots. Uh, Ramirez had six or seven shots. Well, they had 31 um, shots. Right, I know what I'm saying. Like, I know. <laughs> but I think Cucho's. Ten, ten were blocked. Right, yeah. I think eight were on right. target. Off. Only one of Cucho's was on goal. Um, a couple of those were nowhere close. Um, but then again, it shows there, you know, and I, and I thought as, as good as they were, the, you know, the, you know, your wings stole the show. Um, with Gressel, you know, with his crosses and the way that he played. And then um, Yao, uh, Yaboa, um, on on the other side, you know, I thought he played really, really well. Um, and then the goalie, you know, coming up back-to-back uh, shutouts and Shelfie. then that, that bomb of uh, assist uh, yeah. to Russell Rowe. I mean, it was a two-hopper. I mean, great for him for using his body. And I thought that, you know, you know that's a, that's a big-time goal, you know, because he – I think he he played through the foul, played through the contact, got himself, and then you know hit it to the left side, you know. But that was uh, I, that was awesome. Well, yeah, I talked to Schulte after the game and and, and about that goal yeah. specifically. Um, actually, he talked in a scrum about it, uh, and it's kind of he, he said he has a, obviously has a rapport with Jason Russell. Yeah. They played Crew Two together last year um, and dominated the league. And you know, uh, Toronto's pushing up, looking for looking for a goal. Um, and uh, he got lucky on the one that hit the crossbar. I think earlier in the first half, it was like oh, the twenty fifth. Yeah, Insigne. Oh god, he almost <laughs> broke the post. Uh, that that one yeah. should have gone. Yeah, they there was another bunny that was missed yeah. by them too. I think they had like five shots, but um, yeah, it could have been right. it could have been a very sticky situation. That's why the coach was very happy with the way they handled themselves. But he's and also he, growing too. I mean, you got to remember this is his first you know rodeo in the, up in the big leagues. You know, and I think he's gotten better. You, you know, mean he, Roe? No, no. Well, no. Well, Schultz's the real. I mean, Rowe kind of got in last year. He had yeah, his, yeah. you know, uh, you know, shot here and there. But I'm saying Schultz. I mean, uh, he, you know, he made some early mistakes earlier in the in the year. A couple bad ball. You know, the one game where he, you know, got the ball played back to him. He couldn't get it out, and they scored the goal. But I, mean, I think he's really kind of settled down. And I don't know if maybe room not being there and kind of having that pressure of you know the former kind of starter kind of lingering there. Um, you know, but again, I don't know. Did he talk? You talk to him about any of that kind of stuff in the scrum? No, not, the, not gotcha. that. I, I, I was just curious about gotcha. the goal, and I peeled off. But no, he said that, you know they knew Toronto would be yeah. pressing high, and and uh, and you know it's this is something that they obviously worked in yeah. the past, and you know he put the ball down, and uh, and and it was a seventy yeah. yard bomb, bomb, yeah. <laughs> Two hops off yep. the chest, off the off the. The defender kind of missed it. He kind of was about ready to play. He I had both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was right. a great play. It, it was. It was. A, it was a lovely goal and good for him. That's two games in a row where he came off the bench and scored late. At, at stoppage time against Cincinnati, and then uh, I think the eighty seventh minute against uh, against Toronto. Um, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's good for his confidence, and it's also good that the crew can uh, use him in a way, especially if they're going to be down. I'm real curious to see. What happens if they get down in the game in the last ten minutes to kind of see what you know how how they use your the three big guns and then how and how they add him into the mix you know to see you know if you need that goal to tie it or even if it's a tie 
Well, I think we're about to find out a lot of things about them over this final stretch of nine games, beginning with three three in a row on the road. Um, they've been such a great home team, uh, 10-1-3. They're 6-0-2 in their last eight. They've had 11 consecutive sellouts. Um, their offensive metrics are off the charts, uh, tied for the league league in goal with St. Louis and uh, second to St. Louis in differential. Um and if you look at the advanced metrics, and I wrote a column about this uh, somewhat cheekily, but uh, somewhat uh, somewhat uh, descriptively, uh, like not not fooling around. Uh, some of their like their progressive passes, and you start to look at that stuff. It's it's a really impressive picture of a, an offensive uh, forward looking team that that uh, really well, has they, defined their style. They still lead the league in goals, right? Right. I think St. Louis might be. With no, they're tied. Yeah, I, yeah, as yeah. I just yeah. said, if you were listening, uh, Patrick knew I said it because he's actually listening. But yeah, I just said they they're tied for the league yeah. league in goal. There you go. Thanks for coming. So so down to Houston on Wednesday and Saturday at Montreal, and and uh, they're going to have to. What's cool is they're going to stay on the road. They're going to go from Houston to Montreal, and Bez is going to talk a little bit about that among other things. Um, so there it is. Uh, the recap, Kyle, and you can put your two cents in. Uh, nine games left right now in the middle of a three and eight. They have two more sets of three and eight, three games in eight days. Um, then another two-week international break. Um, and then that'll take them to decision day, October 21, home versus Montreal. And that's it. Uh, five, uh, six of the last nine on the road here. And so... But you want to be in the top, what, top four, right? Top four. four. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's home field advantage. And this year it's 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 a first-round series. So there's there are playing games for for teams uh, five through nine top four buy into a first round series and that's best two out of three games it's not an aggregate goal okay thing. so top four means you get two home games in the first round yeah it's big and right now the cruise is it home away home is that or do you know I or, believe it's okay. home away home yes don't quote me on that right. but I'm pretty sure anything to add Kyle no. before we cut to our interview with uh, Tim Bezbachenko good. He's not the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. I'm just a photographer. <laughs> and now we welcome crew president and general manager, Tim Bezbachenko. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, off later today to Houston, where your team plays tomorrow. Um, and that begins a stretch of three consecutive road games at Houston, at Montreal, at Orlando. Your team's two on the road this year, two, six, and three. What are you looking for, I guess, starting with tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously we're, we've been in a really good run of form as of late, especially at home. Uh, with one loss in, in roughly nine or ten home fixtures in MLS. That's not even including uh, that's not including League Cup. Um, but but certainly in Houston, we have tough two tough games, Houston and in Montreal this week, and then we do get a break before we we play down in um, down in Orlando. Right. So three tough games coming up, Orlando. Montreal obviously flanking us above and just above and below us in standing. So we have to we have to come and we have to compete. This is this is the final nine games of the of the season where you treat every game almost like a playoff game, and every point matters. So uh, uh, it's going to be hot and humid. We know that, but it doesn't mean that we're not going into the game expecting to get a result. Uh, obviously, a win would be great, but a draw. Uh, just picking up every point that you can up is important at this time of year. How are you handling the travel? Or is it at any point, um, are you going to stay out for a while to do some team building or anything like that? How's the travel structure, Tim? Oh, that's that's a good question. Yeah, we we leave typically the day before. Uh, obviously, since COVID 
and going forward, we, we charter flights, uh, which is obviously expected. Uh, now, um, we've come a long way in MLS. And so, uh, yeah, there'll be team activities. Certainly on Thursday and Friday, the team is going to travel to uh, Montreal on Thursday. So they'll be in market a day, day and a half longer than they normally would if we were going directly from Columbus to Montreal. And then obviously with our coaching staff, uh, being familiar, very familiar with Montreal, I would imagine they'll have a certain activities and maybe some, some nice dinners for them to bond and, and work on some, you know, the other aspects of the team, especially because we do have, you know, four new players that have come in this summer. So you're right. These, these away trips are an opportunity to connect beyond, you know, the, the, the beyond the, the white line. Smoked, smoked meat and poutine, Tim. What, what? Yes. Well, the smoked meat poutine, they have special bagels up there. Um, you know, I'm going to be there and I've, I've ordered for our suite, uh, I've ordered, uh, you know, two, two servings of poutine. Uh, one with meat, one without. I think uh, just you know for those vegans out there. <laughs> with the with the league's cup and, and the international breaks, um, there there are some compressions in your schedule heading down the stretch. Um, the, the Houston game is the second of three in eight days, as you alluded to, and you have two more of those interludes of of three games in eight days, one in September and one in October. Um, what are the internal discussions like about handling such compressions? Um, you know, uh, Wilfried mentioned the other day, post game, uh, that uh, he hinted that you know he he likes to rotate. He hasn't really been able to this this year, and he's and he's and it looks like he's going to really start rotating heavily now. Is that fair, Tim? Yeah, that's fair. I think there's two aspects we look at. You know, we start as early as. November, um, the year prior, uh, working out what would be a template for the schedule, uh, for the following year. And so we, we go back and forth of the league. This is just really for home dates of your, of your, you know, low.com field. But then obviously you start to slot in your away dates. And the big questions that we always have to ask ourselves are how many midweek games do we want to play and, and do we want to play on FIFA? Uh, weekends and and the the more FIFA weekends you play on, the fewer midweek games you have. And we used to have, I believe, it was five midweek games. And for every midweek game, it affects the, the, at least the two games on each weekend. So you go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. The Wednesday game impacts how you rotate and, and make substitutions on and, and who you field on all three dates. So you know it's 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 really tempting to play on the FIFA dates because. That, that alleviates the burden on three matches. Um, but then you obviously lose the players like Aiden Morris and, uh, and Diego Rossi and Gressel, who will be away naturally with their national team. So those are the types of things we consider. But, but when you look at why we rotate, it's because the third game in a three of eight, your, your increase in soft tissue, uh, uh, muscle injuries increases at least, uh, double. Uh, so, so I guess that'd be 100%. And then once you start getting into multiple weeks, when you have the U.S. Open Cup or Leagues Cup, where you're playing every three or four games, you could start to get into what we call four and twelve, or five and fifteen, or sixteen get days. Your your increase in probability or percentage of, of soft tissue increases down to like four to, to tenfold. So that's why it's important for the coach to and Wilfried will have to focus on, you know, which players have, have we look at the total distance, the XLD cells, their uh, their loads, their, 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 um, you know, just their overall fatigue to decide, you know, do we rotate some players or, or give some, uh, players a break, you know, midway through the second half. 
Tim, what are you bracing for in terms of losses to international uh, teams, to national teams? What do, we, what do I think of it? Or no, or no. What, what do you anticipate? For instance, uh, Tata Martino said that Messi's going to miss three games with international duty um, between now and the end of the season. Uh, obviously, there's breaks yeah. in, in September upcoming and, and again in October. Uh, what, what do you foresee um, in terms of absences for the crew? So, so we should not actually miss anyone because we're, we've decided not to play on the FIFA windows, which is why we have the bye uh, next weekend or the break next weekend and then the one in October as well. So Miami, on the other hand, decided on, by their own choosing to play through these uh, FIFA windows. So that's why they will be without Messi. So don't feel too bad uh, for them. Um, I'm, I'm not, my heart's not bleeding, and I don't think the Podfather's shedding a tear either. Um, <laughs> your, your team is, is mere percentage points out of fourth place, and um, presumably, actually statedly, um, that's one of your major goals this year to, to get in the top four and get playoff games in, in the new stadium, um, which would be a first. Uh, is, is that true? How doable is it? Are you confident? Um, what, what are you looking at, especially given that, uh, you know, you have six of your last nine on the road here? Yeah, I think it's a challenge, but I think it's doable. Um, you know, you, as you mentioned, we have you know only three of the nine at home and six on the road. Um, and, and, and the other challenge is, 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 is how congested it is up the upper part of, of the Eastern Conference. I mean, it is extremely competitive. Uh, the top six, I believe, all the way down to Atlanta are better than every team in the West except for uh, St. Louis. Right. So when you looked at the League's Cup, you'd say if, if you said the Eastern Conference was one league, the Western Conference was one league, and, and, and Liga MX was one league, I would say the Eastern Conference, uh, especially when you look at the Final Four, is just the best, is better than the other two, uh, just single-handedly. That's how competitive it is in the East. Teams like Orlando are really finding their form. Philly has uh, found their form after, obviously, early early congestion with, with Champions League. Um, well, well, so, you, you know, know, it's going to be difficult. But, but I, think we can do, I think we can do it. You know, we're only obviously one point behind uh, second place. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with New England. That's another sort of wild card here after the Petrovic transfer. Um, you know, Petrovic transferred. Brandon Brandon By went out with ACL. He's out for the year, and then obviously their coach is suspended. So I, I think they're they're working through some things in New England. I do think with Heal though and Balfo and and they, I mean they have a strong roster. So I do think you know Pulster in the midfield. They have a good backbone, good leadership. I don't think that they're just going to keel over and, and 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 die or capitulate. But I it you know a little bit of of hesitancy and a little. Uh, I see them, you know, maintaining, probably not dropping completely. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, and what's your view uh, about the assimilation of, of the newest players, uh, Yevon Chiberico, Rudy Camacho, Julian Gressel, and Diego Rossi, and Diego Almeida, um, uh, the last of whom, obviously, I, I kind of snuck up on you on that one. But uh, according to myriad reports out of Spain, um, he's agreed to terms with the crew, the, uh, a young uh, – Center back. Can you, can you say anything about Diego Almeida at this point, Tim? No, no. This, this, this. Well, he would be if we were interested in him. Mean, that would likely be a crew two signing. Um, so, um, so, so you know, we're, we're. I can't. We're kind of in the final stages there, but that would be, believe it or not, uh, a crew two signing. So, quality player, um, a player that that we feel like uh, he's trying to you know get into a good environment so that he can. 
potentially get to a first team. So, so all, that's all I'll say about Diego. But, but our other players we brought in this year, um, you know, we, 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 we were very focused on certain positions and certain profiles. Three of the four are MLS veterans. And, um, you know, we always favor players that know a lot about our league. Obviously, if they played in our league and then, you know, there's even something to be said about a player who's been in our league, gone overseas, matured, and then, and then wants to come back. Um, we've seen a lot of players do well when they have that, that, those, that sort of characteristic. So Diego obviously lit up the league and scoring, led the league in scoring just a couple of years ago. Julian Gressel is always one of the most productive players in the league and he wanted to come back east. So, uh, and then Camacho, you know, is, is a longtime starter for Montreal. So those players have assimilated very quickly as expected. Tuberco, being an international, there's always uh, going to be a little bit more time given to them. And, and I think we've seen that with him, you know, just the, the physicality of our league and the pace. He certainly has the, the, the physical qualities. His testing is through the roof in a lot of ways. Um, but, but he just needs more reps. Uh, he's starting to get that. He needs more playing time. But, but I would expect him to, you see, I expect our fans to see him more over the, this next patch where we do have a couple three and eight. Now, you're, you're doing a lot of luring right now, from what I understand, about with contract extensions, Tim. Um, can you shed any light on, um, you know, we've heard that, uh, that you're working on something with Gressel, and that's not a shock because uh, everyone involved with that transfer was saying that uh, uh, an extension is, is likely. Um, and also Darlington Nagby. Can you, can you speak to where you are in these negotiations, Tim, or what you foresee? Yeah, I, I can't get into too much detail, but I, we're farther along with Darlington um, just because that's something that we started a while back. Julian, obviously, just having come in to the team recently, working with his agent on, on a timetable uh, to start those in, in earnest. So we would expect those to, to get in pretty deep uh, in the month of September, um, ideally, um, you know, to finish those up before uh, if we can before uh, the playoffs begin, but, but, you know, that's, that's, who knows, you know, sometimes it, it, it happens. Sometimes players at, at some point will just say, Hey, and we will say, Hey, let's just work on this till the end of the year. So I can't say anything for certain. I got you. Now, I, I just want to mention that, um, someone told me that Gressel was a guy that, uh, if he was ever available, that, that he was one that you'd jump on. Um, and obviously you did when you found out he was available. Is that true? You've long held him in high regard, have you not, Tim? Yeah, I think me and, and 29 other GMs, um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm the one who sees the diamond in the rough in any way on this one. Uh, he's been, you know, I've always, I was shocked when Atlanta did not sign him after they had won the championship. He was the one that was pr- pr- providing um, Almarone and, and, and Joseph Martinez with uh, many of their assists and their, and their chance creation. So, um, you know, and then when you talk to players like Darlington about Julian and they speak so highly of his professionalism, his leadership skills, his winning attitude. I mean, these are the intangibles that you look for in players beyond, you know, and, and above and beyond just the, his, his beautiful service that he can provide. So he, 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 you know, I think any general manager would, would want a player like that. He can play in the wing. He can play in centrally. Um, he's just a versatile player and, and so, yes, he's always one that I've, I've, I've wanted. He's typically the player, uh, that most teams, when we're calling around, says it's, that a team will say is untouchable. And so we don't, there was a whole lot of time spent 
um, you know, him on our list because you, you, you think that he's not going to become available. So then when this unique scenario came up with Vancouver, uh, we, 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 we jumped on it pretty quickly. Okay. Just shifting gears. Um, uh, you know, Lionel Messi has been a boon for Apple TV first and foremost, and also for my, the Miami franchise and, and, you know, for the visibility of the league. I mean, um, when, when, when he was coming aboard, we, you were on the program previously and, we talked about uh, uh, the importance of that signing and so forth. Um, that said, the the messy centric coverage, is especially at, at places like you know, if you t- if you tune into Season Pass or um, you know MLSsoccer.com is is uh, is ru- has been running pink for forty five days now with number ten splashed everywhere. It's soaked up a lot of the sun for, for over these last. Uh, uh, many weeks. So, do you have any thoughts on how the league can grow the game beyond focusing on one player? Um, you know, I'd agree. Look, well, first of all, I would agree with you that they, you know, there's been a lot of attention on Messi, but rightfully so. You know, taking off my my team hat and just putting, you know, sometimes I'm a fan, and and when I get to watch European soccer, and and and, and Messi is, is clearly, in my opinion, the best of all time, and he's just a joy to watch. I had the opportunity to watch him in Qatar. And, you know, I, I chalked that up as one of my, my favorite experiences is just, a, you know, soccer loving person. So now it's a boon for, for our fans to be able to see him. So it is for Apple TV. It is for possibly the league, certainly for him economically. But, um, you know, it is for fans because we're seeing, we're witnessing, um, something that doesn't come and happen every day, which is why I think they're painting it pink. And, and I don't blame them. That's just the way the league works where we're, so a startup, you know, 30 years, almost 30 years later, we are still, we're still trying to grow our fan base. And, uh, so I don't blame them. Um, that said, you know, I think that there are other, we could be, have a little more diversity in terms of our storylines and, and, um, but, but, but you see what happened just this week in, in New York at, for New York Rebels, right? They, a team that's struggling to get fans out to a beautiful stadium in Harrison, just outside of New York City. But Messi comes and it's just it, it it's sold out. I believe for one of the first times in a long time, and that's the impact that a global star like like he can have. And I think the league is now beginning to talk about what other players can have an impact. Uh, maybe not to the scale of Messi, but can move the needle and how that can jump and we can leapfrog if we're say you know eighth or ninth in the in the world in terms of league. How do we how do we use that that lever? To jump to the top five, and, and it might not happen overnight, but certainly players like Messi can do that. You know, you you see the the rumors of Mo Salah going to Saudi Arabia. I mean, that 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 concerns me because I, you know they're a league that was going after aging stars, but if they're going to go after the top twenty players in the world, arguably top five, you know, then that's going to change the landscape of soccer. And how can we as a league start to go out and get? the top players in their prime. And I think that's the conversation that we should be having over the next five years leading to the world cup. Because if we do, I do think it'll accelerate our growth and our, and our, and our, um, just our, our belief from our fans that we are the top league or one of the top leagues in the world. You know, in, in the microcosm of that, you, you moved, you're, you know, one of the greatest players in the history of the team, certainly the player with the most star player, the star power on the team. Um, transferred to Saudi Arabia, Lucas El Arayan. Um, you made a lot of other changes, um, but uh, in the in the process of that 
transfer window. You, you retooled your front line with, uh, with Rossi uh, on one side and, and uh, Julian Gressel on the other. Um, is it in the same way the whole league is, is flying under Messi's radar? In a sense, is your team better um, even with the subtraction of, of Lucas Celerion? You know, I would say, obviously, me in the front office and Wilfred would say we're, we're better. I mean, that's why we make the moves. You know, it's, it's to, to not just be better, but we think we're materially better um, collectively. You know, and that's the way we look at things. Um, you know, there was a time in a couple years ago where, you know, uh, certainly you need difference makers to win championships. And Lucas was that for us. He, he could change games just with a free kick or, or with a play where he beats someone and finds space and, 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 and threads a pass into, you know, an on rushing forward. And I think that it's great for our fans and it was great for our club. At some point now under this, you know, with our new coach in our front office, with given that Lucas's age and the opportunity for him to move on, we felt like with Diego's availability and then the other additions we made, we think that there's more competition in our roster. We got younger, you know, we're about two and a half years younger than we were last year, which is remarkable uh, how, 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 how far we've come in terms of being one of the oldest teams in the league. So I believe we're top or the fourth youngest or, or third or fourth youngest. So, uh, and, and Diego helps that. So I think we, we are better at, at, are there times when, when you wish you had Lucas at certain moments of the game? Absolutely. The, you know, Diego and Lucas are not the same player, but Diego can cover more ground. He's younger. He's faster. He, He's the way he runs behind the line uh, to, to kind of keep the defense that we're playing against honest is something we were looking for. Um, he obviously has he has a fantastic free kick. Uh, he's skillful, so I don't want to suggest he's not. He's just a different type of player. He's more of a winger that can play as a 10 versus a 10 that can also float out wide like Lucas. Um, so, so we're excited about the, the changes we've made. I think that the, the fans are starting to see that. You know, you see him scoring his first goal this weekend. But it's more about the collective and, and the way we believe MLS, the consistent contenders in MLS play, uh, and versus, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of the one-off that we had in 2020. We're trying to build something that's sustainable over multiple seasons. Right, and, and you know, along the same vein, um, your team is tied for the league leading goals with St. Louis and second in differential with St. Louis. Um, and you have a system that you play. Um, and I think it's fair to say that, that, uh, Diego Rossi fits your system to a T the way he gets behind and his speed. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I hope he does. That, that was the, the idea. And I, I think, I think it's the first few, first few games, uh, it's proven that in the, in both from the eye and then also in, in the data that we look at. But, um, and he also, he's also someone who's, 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 who's ready to embrace more of a leadership role. I think in LA, he was, you know, maybe second, played a little bit second fiddle to Bella and, and, and he's young and the other stars, yeah. you know, and he's, yeah, he's 25. And, and, and so, uh, he went over to Fenerbahce, which is a famed club in Turkey playing champions league. Uh, you know, the, the stadiums in Turkey, I think it's, it's the best atmosphere or one of the best in the world. So he played under pressure. Um, and the player now is coming. He's a little bit older. He's a little more mature. And he's, he's ready to embrace the city and what we're trying to do here. So I'm excited about, I'm really excited about Diego. Okay. That's it. Is there, I'll just give you the floor if you want it, Tim. Is there anything that you want to get off your chest before we sign off? 
No, just really want to thank the fans, you know, and we've had 11 straight sellouts and, and 12 for the, for the, for the year. Um, you know, I think, I think we're seeing this, this team resonate with, uh, with the city. Um, you know, the only thing I want to, I would want to add is, 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 is you spoke, and I know it's the articles about Michael Bradley and, um, and the fans booing him. And, and I think the fans, you know, have every right, my personal thing, they have every right to boo whoever they want, certainly opposing players. I, I do think having been at TFC when he made those comments, I do think, and I, you can disagree, but I do think they were made more as a reflection to the investment in the team which I think we all would agree was lacking. And now fast forward four years, um, you know, it was, it's, 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 it's clearly lived out that, that that's all that really needed was an investment in care for the team at a deep level, like Jimmy Haslam and D have done and the Johnsons. And, and Michael Bradley actually came over to me before the match and thanked me and thanked the Haslam for what they've done in Columbus. And, And I think that goes, I don't think he's getting enough, uh, uh, well, I would just say that if people are booing him because of those comments, I think those are inaccurate. I think they can boo him because he, they don't like him as a player because they didn't qualify for the World Cup. But I think booing him for his comments, I think, are mis- misdirected. And I do think supporting him, I, I know him as a person, and I know I, I, a lot of our fans don't like him, but when you call someone over to take a selfie after the match and he, he's just played a, a 90 minutes, don't disrespect any player by 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 behaving the way that our fans did or one fan did unfortunately this weekend I do think we're we're the classiest fan base in the league uh, the most ardent supportive they saved the team and I think we can be better than that so that's one thing I would like to say uh, I I I'll just say two things to that I agree with you about the about the fan there's there's no excuse for for that sort of boorish behavior um, but the the only what I'd say about Michael Bradley is that. I'm glad for him all's well that that ends well, but in the moment, and I was there and, and I wrote the column about it. Um, he, he did not reach out. To, it, he wasn't talking about the fans. He, he, it, whether, whether he likes it or not, he came off as incredibly tone deaf and uh, offered no support uh, for save the crew. And in fact, sounded like a show for the league. And I went back over all that material over the last couple of days and uh if the fans want to boo him, they, they, they can boo him for that, in my opinion. But, Tim, I, there we go. We, we both we both got it off our chest there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Fair enough. I, uh, just, I, you know, I, I, I know, obviously, I, I had a chance to work with him and, and as a colleague and, and as a general manager. And, and you know, and, and he has a very high standard of excellence. And I think we all agree that what the Aston new stadiums, new training grounds are really important for our league. And I think I think we've done that here. And, and I think he's excited for that. And I think Toronto now has to look at themselves and, and, and figure that out. And he'll be part of that as well. All right, Tim. Well, enough said, I guess. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. And, and best of luck to you and your team down the stretch. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me, Scott. All right. Peace out. And that's it for the speakeasy today. Thank you to Tim Bezbachenko for joining us. Kyle Robertson for listening so well. Patrick, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.